Welcome to the Behind the Connection podcast. This is the podcast that covers all things internet and technology related. The good, the bad, the complexities, and the realities. We talk about it all right here on Behind the Connection. I'm your host, Tyler Rasmussen. Today's topic, we want to cover some common misperceptions and myths that surround internet connectivity. And we definitely want to spend some time talking about how the coronavirus has affected um, connectivity in the internet, both locally, nationally, and globally. So I've got a couple great guests in the studio today. Brent Simmons is a, one of the geniuses that works at Strata with us. We convinced him to leave his desk and come be a, a, a guest for us. He's our network operations manager and uh, does some fantastic work for Strata. We've also got Shelly Ward here with us, and she's our network operations center supervisor. Appreciate you coming and joining us. Yeah, thanks. A couple of the really smart technical people that make all of the connectivity happen for Strata and its customers. So we're glad to have you guys. We want to take just a minute and uh, give you guys a chance to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like at Strata. Shelly, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. <laughs> so I'm Shelly Ward. I've um, worked for Strata Networks for going on 15 years, uh, network operations supervisor, um, born and raised in uh, the basin, grew up in Altamont. Um, yeah, that's that's me, I guess. Altamont? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she's a longhorn. Yes. How about you, Brent? Yeah, Brent Simmons. I've been here for even longer, 19 years, I think I'm going on. Mm -hmm. so, born and raised also in the basin, big big town of Tridell. That's right. Yeah, we, we like it, rural, keep it rural here, I think. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, um, let's start with Brent. Tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like, Brent. And actually maybe describe some of the teams that you work with. You're obviously a manager, so you've got several teams that you work with. What what does your day-to-day -day look like? A lot of screen time for me. Mm -hmm. I'm in front of a computer most of the day, every day. You know, my team is basically responsible for the design, maintenance, um, uh, the build out of of the network. So when we say the network, we're saying I, I mean you know the the A to Z connectivity. So from the customer's um, premise through the core of our network to to the world. So the, the you know the connections that bring the the internet to people's homes all the way through. Great. So you're you're monitoring that to make sure it's all healthy and yep. functioning and proactively identifying issues that might be arising and, and, and how do you, how do you, uh, how do you manage that? How do you react to some of the things that you deal with on a daily basis? So we have a lot of tools that we use, you know, a lot of software. We spend a lot of time researching tools that we can use and software that we can use to, to, to monitor, you know, monitor basic connectivity throughout different intersecting points in the network. Uh, you know, the, again, my whole team gets a lot of screen time, but we, you know, along with that, in the it comes from the design. I mean, we we spend a lot of time researching design uh, methods and 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 ways to make our network more resilient, so we can manage not just um, outages and failures, but even even planned maintenance. So you know, a lot of the work we do that isn't even that isn't even seen is because we've built so much so many layers into the network that we can keep things running throughout the day to day operation and maintenance at night. And, 
Um, and then planning way ahead. So, I mean, you know, if you take the example of this, what we have going on right now, I mean, we try to keep enough bandwidth available throughout our network and to the world so that we can deal with these situations without having to, to react too quickly. I mean, we, we have bandwidth basically available to, to manage these type of situations. Awesome. And we're going to come back to, um, Brent's one of those guys that, um, he can, he can talk technical jargon so well that he can, get me like really confused and dazed pretty quickly, but we're going to come back here in just a minute. We're going to break down some common definitions or terms that we use within our industry and consumers use them too, but, but make sure that we all understand the terminology that we're using. And, um, anyway, so, okay. Thanks for that introduction, Brent. Appreciate it. Shelly, how about you? So my team, uh, we work 24 hours a day. Um, we help kind of proactively catch problems that might arise in the network. If equipment or things go down, we try to make sure that the people who need to fix those problems can fix it and try to proactively help um, with those to help minimize um, any customer downtime. Um, so we're 24 hours a day. Um, we also troubleshoot any internet problem that anybody calls in about. Um, so any anything really um, from Wi-Fi to maybe a, a circuit issue, you know, taking errors and doing, you know, things like that. Um, we also troubleshoot cable TV, um, any, any problems there. We help with with those things as well and dispatch technicians and things after hours so great so you're 24 7 mm -hmm. team of what 10 or 12 at least um, i'm trying to have 15 15, 15 right people, now mm -hmm. um, scattered both in roosevelt and vernal locations mm -hmm. and they're so so you guys keep using a term like the network and and we might want to break that down just a little bit when we say the network what does that mean to a consumer um, in terms of maybe high level components, right? Because there's like consumer portions of the network. And then, so maybe Brent, do you want to take a stab at that? Cause there's different elements that can, that can break for instance, right. Or stop sure. functioning correctly. Yeah. I mean, when I think of the network in terms of segments or, or, you know, we define it as an access network, meaning, so the first, the first, the first, uh, segment would be the access network, meaning the, the connection between the customer's home and our network uh, edge. So mm -hmm. that could be um, a box on the side of the road that we, you know, we would call a cabinet. It could be a central office, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so we often refer to those cabinets as a node, right? Yeah. And, and, okay. Okay, so a cabinet or a node. And then from there, we would move into the core of our network. So we take all those um, aggregation points, those nodes, those those uh, you know, access networks, and and we aggregate them into our core network. So, from there, is where the the redundancy and resiliency starts. We you know we build direction directional uh, networks so that we have backup paths. We build um, different different. We sometimes mix technologies in that network so we can create more resiliency there. And then and then again we take that core network and and we have uh, other edges that connect to that network so like an internet edge we would connect out to an, uh, an upstream carrier like you know your big your big names where we connect to the actual internet where the core of the internet sits so, so physically where do those like handoffs with the big carriers happen brent is it in one single location is it in multiple locations give us an idea in terms of something that a consumer would understand sure so that's a good question so today we connect directly to tier one providers in both Denver and then in, and then in two locations in Salt Lake City. So what does tier one mean? Well, tier one is really just, uh, I mean, it's, 
it's a definition that they create for themselves. So it's, you know, it's your big names, your mm-hmm. um, AT&Ts and Verizons, you know, they, they have, they have the most connection points on the network and there, and there are, de- you know, there are definitions of this and maps you can look at to see it. Mm-hmm. Our, our connection points, and, and this is something anybody could see if they were to trace through, it's a Cogent, Hurricane Electric, and, and Zayo are our big three right now that we use to directly gotcha. peer to the internet. So Strata has maintains physical connections in both to the internet in both Salt Lake and Denver. Why, why two locations? Well, it provides a level of resiliency that we feel like we need for our customers. So our networks even physically split those directions. So we, you know, our fiber, for example, can leave Vernal and go to Denver without having any reliance on Roosevelt, the Roosevelt to Salt Lake side. So, you know, technically speaking, and, and this does happen, you know, we can lose those carriers on either side and maintain connectivity to the internet for our customers all the time. So you just said our fiber, Stratus fiber. Are you talking about a single strand? Uh, not typically. So, and even if it were a single strand and we talk about, we've talked about this once or twice before capacity of a single strand of fiber is almost mind blowing, but, but maybe for the listener scope, you know, the, the capacity that strata owns and maintains and operates that's leaving the UNA basin in multiple paths. Sure. So, I mean, we, we almost never would have, you know, any single strands of fiber going to these connection points, but, um, even even with that, most of our connection rides on just several strands of fiber because we use other technologies to, on top of that to layer on um, uh, layer, uh, higher, higher speeds. So, for instance, we'll have multiple 100 gig paths going from Roosevelt or Vernal to Salt Lake on single or, or dual strands of fiber. Um, gotcha. And, and technologies allow this. And it's... it's and a lot of it has to do with just uh, maintenance or, or cost. I mean, it's 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 more effective to put multiple connections on single fibers where you're lighting that long distance path, you know, one time and, and just layering on different, you know, we say colors of light or wavelengths of light. Yeah, we're going to come back to that because, no, Brent, Brent's doing really good. I know Brent really well. He's doing really good to try to keep this, this conversation at a, you know, typical consumer level. But we're going to come back and talk about, you know, what does 100 gig even mean? You, you've used several terms in there that, some might not fully understand. We'll come back and talk about that a little bit. So a um, little background, which I think the listener obviously knows, but this whole virus pandemic has pushed an unprecedented amount of users to their home to do schoolwork online or to do their actual work online, right, as, as a teleworker. According to a couple online sources that I've seen recently, um, you know, popular video conferencing apps, which we're using a lot of right now too, but apps like Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Google Hangouts, they've been downloaded nearly 70 million times just in the last week, which is mind boggling. Um, Which as an interesting side note, the founder of Zoom, Eric Wan, um, I believe I read online that his net worth has increased over $4 billion since the start of COVID-19. It's pretty crazy. So his business is doing very well. Um, and I've read online also that usage on these plat- platforms is up as much as 500% over the last month to six weeks. So surely that's having an impact. I mean, some of those same things are happening here in the basin. Obviously, we've got a lot of students, school districts using these same tools, Strata's using these tools. Um, so what impacts are we seeing on the network here locally, or are we seeing any? 
You guys want to take a stab at that? Yeah. So I, I mean, that is, it's interesting about Zoom for sure. Another one that that if you look at, and if you're comparing stocks, is like a Teladoc or a Telemedicine mm-hmm. apps have just skyrocketed. And, it, and they're, the underlying technology is very similar, right? They're 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 transforming the way we we communicate with patients and and teachers and things. And what will be interesting to see how it if it levels back out, or if, if you know if you see the trend stick around, but you know. Um, from our network perspective, we have seen a pretty substantial jump in 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 uh, in traffic. I think we're fitting right along with the national numbers that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, to put it in in real terms, I mean, we we saw about a during the during the day, which is obviously the slower time when kids are at school and and people are, are at work. Typically, uh, we, historically, historically, yeah, yeah. historically, sure, yeah. sure. So we've seen about a at at, at times about a sixty percent increase in overall bandwidth during that space of time, which isn't a problem because again, these are, these are typically off hours. So it's, you know, the network handled that well. We had, we saw no issues where we could get into issues and luckily we haven't, but are, are at peak times. So peak times we, we've seen as high as about a a 30% increase in traffic, which peak times would probably be anywhere from 8 p.m. at night to 11 p.m. at night when we're all sitting down and streaming our Netflix and our Amazons and everybody's on their devices checking their social feeds, correct? Is it usually that window? Yeah, and peak times have kind of pushed both directions a little bit. We've seen the last couple of years even. So, I mean, we really start to pick up closer to 6 o'clock and and we definitely go through till midnight where Hmm. we see before we see much of a a drop in in traffic. Mm -hmm. So about, uh, you know, a 30% peak time increase which you know it, it's a that's a big increase at peak and, and and like i was saying earlier we we we've done well we've planned ahead not necessarily for for this type of thing but we typically try to stay about a year ahead on what we foresee in the future coming up so that's in this case it served as well so this might be an unfair question but so have you i know that the bandwidth and actually, before I even ask this question, let's let's break that down a little bit because we're using some terms and maybe Shelly can help us with this. Her team is the team that, that really gets to work, you know, directly with the consumer on a day-to-day basis. But we're using a lot of terms as both on this in this conversation and, and as consumers, we kind of use them interchangeably. We use terms like bandwidth and internet and broadband and um, what are some of the others? Uh, Wi-Fi and data. We use them kind of interchangeably. Are they the same? Or do they have subtle differences or, or drastic differences in so your in your sphere? The biggest thing that I've noticed when, <clears throat> when we talk to customers, uh, we have people calling in and saying that um, their Wi-Fi, you know, their Wi-Fi is broken or their Wi-Fi is down. And they're using that word interchangeably with broadband or with their connection. Mm-hmm. Um, with the internet in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, there are different things. Um, so a lot of the time we have to just educate, you know, as to what Wi-Fi actually is. Um, Wi-Fi is your actual Wi-Fi signal that's being sent out within your home from your router. Okay. Um, it is different than broadband um, or internet, you know, that's used interchangeably. So in theory, I'm trying to break this down even further. In theory, your internet from your service provider like Strata could be working perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Correct. Uh, And what I mean by that is the service from, you know, our core network to your home could be working perfectly fine. But the Wi-Fi within the home, the wireless signal that's being distributed from the modem or the router could be creating some issues. Right. What would be some of those common issues? 
So uh, just kind of depending on the, you know, the interference or, or whatnot within your home, I mean, you could have some things that are actually causing problems within that, uh, you know, the frequencies that are there. Um, you know, you could have, uh, say, a, a neighbor's garage door or something that could be opening and closing that could be causing inter- interference on the, the 2.4 network. So just an easy thing to fix is just move them over to the 5 gigahertz network and, you know, you're they have connectivity again. So just, you know, things like that, that could be within um, a neighborhood, like my neighborhood. Um, there are so many different Wi-Fi connections within my neighborhood that um, it's actually pretty, there's a lot of interference. And if you try to use your 2.4 network, it's almost unusable. And so I have a lot of um, a lot of neighbors that are like, you know, I can't use my connection. And as soon as we get them moved over to their five gigahertz connection, it seems to work again. So, so. sorry. Yeah. So you're, you're referring to, to a 2.4 gigahertz and a five gigahertz network, mm-hmm. which I'm going to pretend I have no idea what you're talking about. What does that mean? <laughs> so, so are you talking about a, two different wireless signals that are being broadcast from your wireless modem router in, in the yeah. home? If you're using a strata issued device, probably, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the managed Wi-Fi service does come with both the 2.4 frequency and the five. Um, and, you know, they... The 2.4 frequency, uh, you know, just has a lot more interference on it just by the way it's, it's I guess, built is the best way I could describe it. It's um, been around a lot longer, and so there's just a lot of devices that use it. You know. Right. And um, so the 5 gigahertz frequency is just a lot less interfered with. There's a lot more channels that you can actually use. So you could actually, like I could be on, you know, one channel that's, you know, 100 channels away from another uh, neighbor of mine or something to that effect. And so it's not interfered with as much and you know, it was a lot better connection for the most part, um, depending on kind of what you're using it for. So, so yeah, and I've worked in the industry for nearly you know, 20 years too. And when you start ch- talking channel and interference, you can lose me pretty quickly, but that's one of the common issues, right? For yeah. Wi-Fi. And as a consumer, right. they probably just feel like, oh, I don't want to have to manage this, right? Like this is confusing to me. A lot right. of consumers, some are probably technical enough to, to handle that on their own. What are, so, so obviously they can call your team and your yeah. team will help them work through those issues, right? Yeah. At, at no cost, right? I mean, if right. we do provide a managed Wi-Fi service where we provide a preferred device in the home that helps us to manage the Wi-Fi experience in the home, correct? Right, yeah. And, and we have a lot more tools to see into the, the home with the managed Wi-Fi service. It's just it's actually quite quite helpful, you know, as compared to somebody that doesn't, it's really hard for us to know for sure what's happening inside the network. Yeah, absolutely. So some other common Wi-Fi issues, channel interference is the first one you mentioned, but what are some others? I mean, like, are there issues with the types of devices that are connecting to the Wi-Fi, yeah, so, the distance that they're trying to connect from, yeah, all of those both. different things, right? Walls are a big, a yeah. big issue. Yeah. Number yeah. of walls you have to go through to get the signal back. You have Even, to remember that the device yourself, the device itself is a lot weaker than the the router so the signal might be able to get to the device but getting back to the router can mm-hmm. sometimes be a, a big cause of problems in the home. so just a common scenario let's throw out a simple analogy um, or scenario um, say would a customer expect to have a different experience if they're connecting on wi-fi with an iphone 5 in comparison to an iphone tennis why yeah it, um <laughs> legacy devices older devices um have a lot um, Brent could probably explain it better, but they, they definitely cause a lot more problems on the network, um, with Wi-Fi. Uh, so, you know, we try to tend to 
you know, of course you can't really not use de those devices mm -hmm. if, if yeah. you're using them, but um, just identifying them and, and knowing that they are causing a problem. Sometimes like, you know, if you're having connectivity issues, we can say, okay, this device here is, you know, older, an iPhone 5, let's shut it off for a minute and see what happens. And a lot of the time it's, you know, helpful. It'll improve the experience. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've tried to break down bandwidth and broadband and internet and Wi-Fi and their differences just a little bit. We could spend probably 30 minutes just on that. But let's jump back because Brent was using the term bandwidth quite a bit. And and Brent, um, talk about, you've talked about like off-peak and on-peak usage increases that have happened since the virus and situation. Um, how does that relate to Strata's overall capacity? Any concerns that you have there as the the individual that manages the teams that's that's monitoring that very closely. I mean, it's all we're, we're always concerned about capacities and, and managing those capacities. But again, it kind of goes back to planning. I mean, and and you know, I have the, the the benefit of saying that we we've had these teams for quite a while, you know, and so we we have a lot of experience with each other. We know what's going on. We've you know, a lot of us have grown up with the network. You could say even so, we have we just understand it really well. And so um, that helps over time as we plan and we build, uh, you know, we can see what's going on. We're really focused on, on that. I mean, that's, that's a big part of our job. So, you know, it's not, not that we don't ever have issues, but, but for the most part, as far as bandwidth concerns go, we're, we've, even with this, we've been, we've maintained pretty good control. We haven't seen any, any, uh, uh, any large issues that have affected the network as a whole. So let's jump back to that original uh, question I was going to ask too. So if you were to eliminate the COVID-19 scenario and the increases that we've seen in the last 30 to 45 days, how much has bandwidth usage as in aggregate, you know, all of Stratus consumers combined, and then we're transporting it out to that internet connection point. How much, how much does it like increase year over year over the last three years, for instance, do you have a figure that you could tell the listener? Yeah. I mean, Boy, exact numbers. I can't, I've, I've, we have reports on this, you know, that we, but it's uh, exponential, correct? Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, typical year, you know, I, you know, without having the numbers for, I, we probably grow as far as internet bandwidth, um, it, in the neighborhood of a hundred percent per year. Hmm. You know, so that's something that we're always planning for that we're always seeing ahead. And, and that's why I said earlier, we try to stay about a year ahead with our overall bandwidth. If you, if you, if you consider if we're, I'm talking about bandwidth to the internet. So if outside of our network, and then bandwidth inside of our network is just a constant evolution. I mean, there's there's almost not a, a week or a month that goes by that we're performing some maintenance, increasing capacities here or there. I mean, you have to remember it's it's a it's a large network, and and it's there's pieces that that age and we replace, and then these these capacities run out and we replace, and so it's it's constantly evolving internally and then and then externally as well. So, okay, great. So Shelly, have there been any um, new or common problems that have popped up recently with more kids at home, more teleworkers at home that, that are different or unique issues that you haven't typically dealt with in the past, or maybe they're just, they're not new, they're just more frequent. Yeah. So, um, it's bandwidth. I mean, uh, what I'd say about two weeks ago, we actually, you know, kind of when everything started, um, we had taken probably 25 to I'd say 25 to 30 new bandwidth tickets that are just regarding bandwidth itself. You know, customers would call in and be, you know, having a, a problem with their connection and um, come to find out they're maxing their bandwidth. And so trying to um, get, you know, any type of faster speed at the home, 
you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's not possible, but, you know, trying to push fiber, uh, you know, fiber speeds or, you know, even coax speeds or whatnot. That's kind of the biggest thing we've seen so far. So you're basically saying that we have users that are calling your team because their internet's not working right and, and their internet, their experience is slow or poor, the quality yeah. is poor. And, and you're finding that maybe the speed that they're subscribing to, whether it's 10 megabits per second or 25 megabits per second is not really sufficient right. to handle what they're trying to do with multiple devices on the network. Is that a, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, like let's use, let's use my home as a simple example. I know on any given day now, I mean, I've got, I've stated this in the past, I've got two high school kids, one, um, junior high and one elementary. So on any given day from eight to one o'clock now, they're all on a device doing schoolwork. And, and in reality, they're probably all using a zoom video conferencing type app with, with some of the recent announcements from the school district where they want them touching bases with their teacher pretty frequently. So what kind of bandwidth consumption or totals is a household like mine likely using? If you've got four simultaneous, simultaneous Zoom streams going at one time, give, give me an example of what I should be subscribing to to have an optimum or an optimal experience. So I would I would like to see you on a 25 meg package at least. Um, I'm not sure what a Zoom stream would actually use, um, but just in kind of what you've explained to me, I would like to see at least 25 meg from your connection. Um, your, your upload stream actually plays a bunch into that um, just because, you you know, your kid's talking to their teacher that actually has to be sent out to the world. Yeah. So, so maybe break that down just a little bit further. So the download piece, there's two components to the speed, right? There's the right. download speed and the upload speed. Yeah. And, and let's try to make it logical as much as we can for the, for the listener. So the download component is the information you're receiving from the internet mm -hmm. or from the outside world and anything you're pushing up. Like if you, like you said, if you're pushing up an audio signal or a video signal, it's got to be uploaded, which right. is a different speed. Right. And, and Stratus packages are usually, um, they're different, right? They're not synchronous or uh, they're, they're, they're usually like a 25 and five yeah. or a 50 and 10. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. So maybe yep. talk through that just a little bit. You were going down that road. Yeah. Anyways, but. Yeah. So, um, like I was saying with the, your kids at home using zoom. So if you've got four kids at home, you know, talking to their teachers at the same time, your upstream traffic is, is probably, I mean, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't think that it would be maxed at that point, but you would be, you'd be using quite a bit. Um, so what, what we find is that, you know, if you're, if you're maxing out your upstream traffic or if it's really close, your downstream traffic can sometimes really feel like it's slow or feel like it's stopped. Mm -hmm. And so we do have that problem as well as, you know, we, we have a lot of customers coming, calling in and needing additional bandwidth, not only downstream, but upstream because of, you know, schoolwork and things. So, um, are there some simple things that, a a consumer, a internet consumer could do like, for instance, you could shut your video feed off, correct. And yeah, just send audio definitely. up. That would help mm -hmm. alleviate some pressures. Um, anything else that you might suggest in this particular situation? So sometimes consumers have, um, let's say an iPhone backup that could be running, um, you know, and sometimes they don't even know, you know, they, they set it to start backing up when they plug it into their, their charger and it's on Wi-Fi it'll automatically begin that backup. And so just being aware of the devices that could possibly be backing up or, or devices that could be doing something on the network that you might not be aware of, that's definitely a, a big thing. Yeah, that one's a tough one, right? Because you've yeah. got a device doing something on your network that you're not visibly seeing and you have no right. idea that it's actually performing a function and it's impacting, for instance, your Netflix stream, right? right? So what are some other common devices or applications that might be doing stuff in the background 
that a consumer wouldn't necessarily even know potentially. So um, we've actually had issues where um, like maybe a, a PC or something of some sort could have actually gotten compromised and, you know, the, the virus is actually using a lot of their bandwidth to do whatever it's designed to do. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen that happen. Um, you know, it's, it's not super frequent, but it's, it's definitely been a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent, any other suggestions from you on devices that might yeah, we've be doing things in the background. We've certainly started to see, to see a lot more traffic from devices like uh, video doorbells. Mm-hmm. You know, some some people might think that those are only uh, active when somebody rings the bell, or you know, but if they're not set up correctly, for instance, you know, some of the, the popular ones with motion detection, if that's not properly set up, they could technically be streaming out video constantly, mm-hmm. you know, sending video up, even with motion. I mean, there's a lot of activity that can be going on outside that will cause that to burst traffic up burst traffic up to record that stream up up, up in the cloud you know up in the in the internet so i've seen a lot of that growing and growing those are those have become really popular over time so yeah that that is very common so okay so shelly i i take it from your description that you're suggesting that some consumers might actually need to upgrade their speed get a faster internet connection option assuming that it's available um I mean, we're not foolish enough to just say fiber is available ubiquitously to everybody in the Uinta Basin, although we wish we could snap our fingers and make it that way, correct? Right. And and even if fiber is available, sometimes consumers don't choose to use it as to its full potential, correct? So you, so, and and you probably hear this, you have a customer that will call in and say, Strata just installed fiber at my home a month ago. My experience is no different. Why? So this is... This is a hard one for people to to realize that, you know, let's say they're on a 10 meg package on copper, um, you know, and at that time they were struggling on the 10 meg package that they had. Well, of course, um, we install fiber and we've not changed the package that we, that, that they're subscribing to. Um, that, you know, they're maxing their bandwidth. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and increase that package up to, you know, whatever you're needing, 25 meg if, you know, if it mm-hmm. was in your case, um, and then they'd have much better uh, speed, much better bandwidth. And, you know, from that point with fiber, a lot of the time we find either it's bandwidth related or it's a Wi-Fi problem. I mean, beyond that, it's, it's rare that it's actually the fiber itself. Mm-hmm. So, right. Okay. So interesting. So, um, and I, do you offer any like free trial periods for people to test it and be like, well, Hey, I don't really want to pay $10 more, you know? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, I don't want to pay $10 more if my experience is going to be the same. What, what do you guys do to offset that to allow people to see if it's actually different? Well, we would definitely, if, if anybody was calling in and just questioning, you know, I, I don't feel like it's the bandwidth, then, you know, I'd definitely give them a trial for you know a couple of weeks and just, you know, let me know, you know, we'll mm-hmm. call you back and see what you think. And yeah. Well, and we're actually doing that right now, right? I mean, yeah. to offset and to hopefully alleviate some of the pressures that some of these families are feeling, Strata has offered a free mm-hmm. night. 90 day speed bump. So, um, any speed that's available at your location, we're going to give it to you for free, you know, no cost above and beyond what you're currently paying and allow you to, to utilize the full bandwidth capabilities that your connection can provide. Correct. So anybody that wants that can call in and get that turned on from your team. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, speed tests. (laughs) <laughs> ISPs have a love-hate relationship with speed tests. At least I feel like we do. Do you guys agree? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we use it as a tool. Mostly hate. Yeah. <laughs> we use it as a tool to help people troubleshoot, but then consumers also use speed tests to try to convey to us what their experience is. Um, so why do ISPs hate speed tests? 
So it depends on how you do the speed test. <laughs> so what are you, what are you trying to say, Shelly? I mean, yeah. are there different ways to conduct a speed test? Yeah. And what might influence or affect the results of a speed test? So a lot of the things we've talked about, so um, Wi-Fi. So if you're doing a speed test on Wi-Fi and you're, of course, um, struggling with some Wi-Fi problems, you're going to have a poor speed test. Um, if you're doing a speed test connected directly to your router, that more than likely will be a true speed test if you're testing within Strata's network. Um, so, you know, there are a couple so of different variables. So when you variables. say testing within Strata's network, what does that mean? So we have an actual speed test um, server that you could actually speed test with. And what that does is it eliminates anything outside our network that we we can't control. So, so once again, let's go a little further. What does that mean? If I'm conducting a speed test and you're saying I might actually land on a speed test server that's outside of Strata's network, what might be an example of that? A common yeah, So one? let's say CenturyLink or something, you know, okay. in Salt Lake. So um, if I do a simple Google search for speed test, I land on a server that's in CenturyLink and maybe it's not even in Salt Lake. I don't know, yeah, right? It's yeah. possible that they're doing a speed test. So when you're saying it's outside of Strata's network, how might that influence the results that one's getting? Yeah, so we, we have no control over what's kind of happening on CenturyLink's uh, network. So say they have something, you know, maybe that's maybe that site's even down. You know, it's hard to say. Um, or, you know, they could, they could be having troubles themselves there. Um, you know, it's, it's outside our network. So we have no control of, over that test. If you're actually testing within our network where we know we're testing everything that Strata has control over and we can, you know, we can see the full potential of that line. So how do, how do I get to a Strata speed test server? So we use, a, it's a very well-known system from Ookla for our, our internal speed test and just going to their website, the likelihood is it's going to find that one because it uses like geolocation to pinpoint you to the server. But it does happen. I've you know I've seen it myself several times where it kicks you over to a different server, and that could be based on congestions that it's seeing. I mean, even though it's local, it's in our network. That doesn't mean that it's not being. I mean, it's getting used a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. so and, and it's a robust server. It has a lot of, of of bandwidth to it, but you know we'll we'll literally have thousands of tests run against that server a day. So. You know, even a couple of other people testing at the same time are going to affect the, the the results of that speed test. Yeah. Okay. So let me throw a couple scenarios at you guys. Let's let's assume that I have fiber connectivity to my house. I subscribe to the highest package available to me, which is one gigabit per second or a thousand megabits per second. I run a connected with an Ethernet connection speed test on a laptop. So I'm connected from my laptop physically to my modem router and I get 900 megabits per second, let's say, which is pretty dang close to, to that full gig. And then I'm standing in the same spot on my iPhone and I run a speed test and I get 350 megabits per second. How, why does that happen? Brent, I'll throw that one at you. <laughs> That's a tough one. Well, I mean, it's, it's just an understanding of the, of the connection, right? So Wi-Fi just, I mean, even though, you know, they throw the numbers out Wi-Fi and you're, you know, if you look at your connection speed, you'll see those into the 600, 800 megabit range, but it's just, it's just not, it's, it, that doesn't mean it can actually move that much traffic. So just the Wi-Fi connection itself isn't actually capable of going at that rate. You're saying that the actual technology, the Wi-Fi technology itself can't yeah, I depending mean, on the device you're using to run the test, right? It can't, it yeah. can't actually run at that speed. I mean, we we've set up uh, lab scenarios in perfect environments and gotten really good speeds. I mean, and you know, 
600 plus megabit speeds, but it would be it would be difficult to get a connection speed a lot higher, at least with the technology. Now, as we move forward, things are going to improve and that's going to improve with it. But it's it would be pretty rare to see something that high connected to 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 a Wi-Fi signal. And and a lot of that has to do with the device itself. You have no idea what that device is. You know, uh, uh, you know, we've seen in some instances iPhone newer iPhones able to to push a lot more bandwidth than, than mm-hmm. older iPhones and older other phones. You know. So Shelly, another scenario. So say I live in a multi-story home, two or three story home, right? Um, basement and a top floor. And on, I'm running a speed test from a second story corner of my house. And I'm seeing like one and a half, two megabits per second. And I'm absolutely frustrated with strata. I want to scream because I know I'm subscribing to a 50 megabit per second plan and I'm obviously not getting that speed. Why? Because it's, it's your Wi-Fi. <laughs> You're running <laughs> Wi-Fi speed tests. It's, um, it also kind of depends on, you know, the radio, like we, we talked about the frequency that you're connected to, but, um, you know, we're just like Brent had mentioned earlier, you know, you're going through multi-levels, multi-walls, um, you know, whatever else is between you and the uh, router that's causing you to slow down quite quite a bit. Okay, so what are you going to do to help me in that situation? Because I'm fr- I'm just frustrated yeah, as a consumer. <laughs> yeah, and this happens, you know. <laughs> it so, happens all the time, right? Yeah, so um, I would probably suggest getting somebody out to check out the actual Wi-Fi signal within your home. And our technicians have um, these mesh units, basically, that are just like access points that we could actually install um, on that side of your house that would actually connect to your um, managed Wi-Fi device and broadcast that back to the managed Wi-Fi device so to give you a lot better connection there. Um, in you know, all the way on the other side of your house. So, yeah. All I would add is, I mean, if if you have, if you if you think you have a connection problem, you probably do. You know, if if you're not getting those speeds, and then, then there likely is something wrong. And we want to look at it. We want to help. Mm-hmm. We want to help the customer, and we have tools that will allow us to do that. It's it sometimes is the connection itself, the access connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's rare on fiber, but but it does happen. But even if it is a Wi-Fi issue, there, there, it's very likely that we're going to be able to help you improve that. You know, it, it, and our tools are getting better so that we can actually see some of those issues without you having to call in, without the customer having to call in. But a lot of times, we we still need a call to to initiate that help. I mean, we just have to we have to know that it's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, encouraging the customer if they're if they're experiencing something that's not optimal, give us a call, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Shelly said, you've got a team that's there twenty four seven. That's what we pay them to do. Yep, um, they're trained and skilled and educated to to be able to look into a customer's connection and hopefully be able to identify the issue and get it corrected. Right. So well, they don't they won't complain about having to take less calls. You know, we want it to work well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there, we would have no reason for it not to, not to want it to work well. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so to emphasize, you know, as we start to wrap up this conversation, um, anybody that's having a bandwidth issue, Strata's done several things to try to, as much as we can, minimize the impact on um, internet subscribers in the Unibasin over the past two weeks. There have been several things we we offered for uh, a couple weeks, you know, as the schools were making the transition to getting students at home and starting their online schoolwork, we offered uh, basically free internet connections for all new subscribers that met that criteria of having a student or an educator in their home. And we saw a tremendous response. Um, and, and we need to express our appreciation to our employees. They worked very hard. Um, sometimes I think they were seeing volumes, order volumes of, um, 
like three times typical daily volumes based on that offer. And, and so want to express our appreciation to them and responding and also our appreciation of the patients and cooperation of our customers that have worked with us the last two weeks. Um, we have had some situations where we've had to push those orders out two or three days to get to them all. But, uh, all in all, it's been a very wonderful thing that we've been really thrilled to be a part of. That offer has ended as of, um, last Saturday and, uh, so, um, once again, we hope we've taken care of the majority of the critical needs that, that are there for, for those in our, in our community that need internet connectivity right now. And, and for whatever reason, maybe they can't afford it. Right. And so Stratus, Stratus tried to offer that. We're continuing to offer that free 90 day speed bump for any existing subscriber as well. Um, they can call in, that's still going on, call in, get Shelly's team and, they can look at your connection and tell you what speeds are available there and bump you up if it's if it's a possibility for you and you can use that at no additional cost for the next three months. Um, several community Wi-Fi locations that we've popped up, right? Brent, what is there, 15 to 20 now at this point scattered throughout the UNA Basin where consumers can just go and use those connection points also if they need to for whatever reason, right? Yeah, at least that many. Yep. We've, and we're, we have other sites that we're looking at trying to expand that and and, and even keep those there permanently so that they can be a tool and an asset in the future for our customers. Yeah. yeah and if a customer wants to access those, obviously there's a list and a map of those on our website, stratanetworks.com. Take a look at those. Um, any parting thoughts from you two? I think it's been a great conversation. Anything you want to add here at the end? Well, just if you have a problem, give us a call. <laughs> We're here. Yeah. How about you, Brent? Well, I mean, I don't have a lot. I, we, you know, we, most of us grew up here. We, we love the, our community, and we, we just want to help. I mean, we want to we want to provide a, a good, robust service that people can enjoy, and we're part of the community. We just we we like working here. We like what we do, and and we like challenges. So we want people to bring them to us and let us help them figure them out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. All right, we appreciate uh, we appreciate our listeners. If you have any comments or questions um, as a follow up to this conversation, we definitely encourage folks to. To shoot us an email, um, you can email us at podcast at stratanetworks.com or you can comment in in the thread where this will be posted. We'll, we'll put this podcast out on, obviously, social media platforms and, and on all of the typical podcast platforms as well. We'd love to hear some feedback from our listeners. If there's items that we talked about today that were a little too technical or not technical enough, we'd be happy to do another follow-up to this discussion. So um, appreciate you two taking the time to have this conversation with us. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Strata Networks podcast.